oh, is everybody well? Everybody's quite quiet. Everybody's, what an amazing time of worship. That is uh, Lou, one, one of the, one of the, your, your name means famous warrior. We know that. But actually when you, when worship is like a warfare. It's like, and this morning I felt like we punched through something. And, and worship that really takes hold of something, not only encourages us and stirs us, but actually enables us as a community, together in unity, in unison, in that moment, to punch through something in the spirit realm. And uh, it was a phenomenal morning of that this morning again. So if you can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. This week, we were in our, our eldership team was praying together. And one of the, one of the, one of the texts that came up around uh, that we were praying into and kind of prayed off the back of with Ephesians chapter 6 that um, we're going to read it now and it's the concept that actually that we don't fight flesh and blood actually our opposition is not flesh and blood but actually powers and principalities we're going to look at it now and have a look at what it says there but there's a real uh, reality around actually when we're facing stuff or we're wanting to break through into a new level of what God wants us to do or take ground, actually what we've got to do is we've got to make sure that we have a prayer life that's full of faith that can break through. And in Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to read now, you'll, you, we're going to start to see what it means to take ground. How do we take ground? How do we break through to the next thing that God wants us? How do we, we're facing opposition, maybe we're having a tough time, maybe we're in a good space and actually God's growing us, but we need to break through to the next, the next portion that God has for us. This morning is for you. And we're going to see what it means to break, to break through. In the area, and particularly we're going to see in the area of prayer. Because I think when you start to read this text, not in the ESV or the, or the NIV, but you read it in the New American Standard, which is a very much more literal version. I'm going to teach you that actually, I think that the whole point of this text is for prayer. I think what Paul is trying to do is he's trying to get these people to pray, but pray from a place of strength, not pray from a place of weakness so that the breakthrough can come. So let's, have a, let's read it quickly. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. By the way, my name is Stan. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors in this church. And it is absolutely delightful to have you with us. If you're visiting and uh, we trust that God is speaking to you, will speak to you. And if this is something of a home that you'd like to belong to, if you're not part of another church, we'd love to talk to you more and engage in you more what it means to be part of this family. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. This is the ESV. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. Remember those words. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Listen, he makes three massive statements there against this, against that, against this. That you've got to know he means what he says. So there's a worldview that Paul has where he understands that the spiritual, that the cosmic powers over this present darkness is a reality. When you see darkness here, 
there are cosmic powers in the unseen realm that are forcing themselves into the space. So in a Western worldview, what, unless we can measure it, unless we can see it, we don't believe it. But in a biblical worldview, we actually understand that there's a heavenly realm, and in that heavenly realm, there are spiritual forces, there are cosmic powers, and there are rulers and, and authorities that are planning and scheming. They are real things. They are, they, they are not, so often when we talk about the, the heavenlies and the, and the earthlies, we think that this is material and that's not material. No, that's the material world. It's just a different kind of material world. It's real and it's created. And it makes a difference in what happens on this earth. And so the way we have authority there and the way we get, we change that atmosphere that is over, that is those powers in this present darkness, is through prayer. Because we can't live there, we live here. But when we pray and when we worship, something happens in the heavenlies. God responds, the angelic realm responds, and something shifts in the heavenly realm, and so what happens is it translates to a shift on the earth. And friends, I might be talking to you, and you might be thinking, Stan, you are flipping losing your mind. Friends, if you're a Christian and you believe in the Bible, you'll understand that worldview. It is real. So what comes out of your mouth matters. Your prayers matter. Your words matter. All those things matter. And we realize if we actually really understood, if we actually had a revelation of what our prayers do in the heavenly realm, which translates to something on earth, I tell you what, friends, we'd be praying a whole lot more as a, an, an individuals and corporately. Against the cosmic powers and, and over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that is able to make to withstand, that you may be able to withstand in the day of evil. And having done all to stand firm, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the day of evil and having done all to stand firm. So again, he talks about the whole armor of God. So we have this reality of the heavenly realm and we have believers... Which, and it says in Ephesians chapter 1 that we are seated with all spiritual blessing where? In the heavenly realm in Christ. It says Jesus himself is seated in that realm in all authority. So we've got an inside track there to the king of that realm. And then he says, he carries on in Ephesians, he says the church is the manifold wisdom of God that is going to reveal to those in that place God's glory and kingdom come. Amazing, yeah. And now he's talking about, he says, so, so actually what we've got to do is we've got to understand that's the reality. And now we as a church, if we want to break through, if we want to see the nation changed, if we want to see God come in power and, and move to his glory and his name and his renown and see things changed and city influencing and nation impacting, actually it starts with us adjusting our mindsets and our heart posture so that we have influence there which influences earth. And he says this, he says you've got to wear the whole armor of God. Not part of the armor, the whole armor. And it's not the whole armor of people, it's the whole armor of God. It's like the armor that God wears. So this is armor 
that God gives you to make you impregnable to the schemes of the enemy. And we read that, stand against the schemes. See, God has plans for you, but the devil has schemes for you. And devil schemes are to under, under, under uh, uh, root out or kind of undermine the plans of God for, for us. And so God has a trajectory of his will for the earth and creation, but the devil has his own plans. That word schemes is the word where, that we get the English word methods from. He's got some methods that he uses to try and undermine what God is saying, to, to mind, un, try and undermine what God is wanting to do through his church and through his people. And so we've got to be aware that actually, if we're going to break through, if whatever God's will is, there's a scheme of the enemy against it. This is not to make us scared. This is not to make us, oh, what happened? No, this is to make us aware and posture ourselves in Christ so that we seated with him in the heavenly places in ultimate authority with him and, and affects our prayer life because we know that when we pray and when we act in accordance with his will, things shift not only on earth, but actually in the heavenly realm. And in fact, actually what it does is it shifts there because there, this is a reflection of that heavenly space. And so actually he's giving us a way here to break through and to take ground. He carries on so that you may be able to withstand, to be able to stand firm, the NRV says. He says, I want you to be able to stand firm because there's schemes coming against you, all sorts of schemes, all schemes of doubt, schemes of lies, schemes of, schemes of deception, schemes of bad thoughts, schemes of other people's bad behavior, uh, behavior, schemes of your own weaknesses and flesh that kind of give birth to rubbish. And he's saying, actually, what I want you to do is I want you to stand firm. I want you to stand firm on the day of evil. When that moment comes, and all, all of you only have to have been alive for a little while to know that you go through those moments where you think, I don't know what's next. God, you've said this, but there's no likelihood of that ever happening. God, you said that I've got to do that, but actually, what's happened? On that moment, on that day, we've got to stand. You see, the scheme of the enemy is to stop you from standing and to put you down. But the plan of God needs you standing and ready and waiting and moving forward. The scheme of the enemy sets, sits you down into passivity. The scheme of the enemy will sideline you. The scheme of the enemy will make you think that you're not who you are in God. The scheme of the enemy will do everything to make sure that the will of God is not done in and through your life. And having done all, and having done all, to stand firm. He carries on, he emphasizes it again. Having done all, having tried everything, having been this way and that way, having tried everything, I want you to just stand. I want you to be able to stand. And we'll see in verse 18, he says, I want you to pray. stay away from my notes and just go there. And then what he does, so he's saying, actually what I want you to do is to be a praying man or woman that stands firm on the promises of God. Now he says, now he's going to tell you how to do this. Friends, this is absolutely key for our life in God. This is absolutely key for our victory, our breakthrough, our, what God is wanting us to do. It's not complicated pretty simple but it's not easy to do all the time this is what he says stand therefore having fastened 
the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In the ESV or the NIV, it carries on as though verse 18 is kind of a comma and it carries on. In the New American Standard Version, and this is what I learned this from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones in his commentary on Ephesians. In the New American Standard Version, it doesn't do that. It puts a full stop before verse 18, if you're following. It puts a full stop before verse 18. And what it does is it says this. I've got it here. With all prayer and petition. So it says full stop, which is the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Full stop. New paragraph kind of idea. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. So it's almost like Paul is saying, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Now pray in the Spirit and pray at all times and all occasions. And what he does is he fills it in to make sure that we can pray well that we can communicate, that we can have intimacy with God well, that we can hear God well, that we can partner with God well. And so this portion here that we're reading now is about actually how do we partner with God? How do we get through this process with God? He says, praying with all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that my words given will be proclaimed boldly. He says, help me pray that I might preach the gospel well. Friends, I want to go back to, to that part of the text where he says, stand, take your stand, and when you've done everything, stand. You know, you know what he's saying there? He's saying, make sure you keep the hard ground. Make sure you keep the hard ground. You know that if you're fighting a battle and you've got low ground and the enemy's got hard ground, they've got a very distinct advantage. And what he's doing is he's saying, actually, church, what I want you to do is to understand that you have been given the hard ground. You see, what we do often in our prayer life is that we fight to get up the mountain to get the hard ground when it's something that God has given us already. And so we expend all our energy trying to get up the mountain rather than actually understanding what God has given us by His grace and power and from that place in authority by the Spirit, praying in the Spirit on all occasions. So as soon as you've got the high ground, now you've got space to see. You can see further. As soon as you've got the high ground, you've got the sense of, of, you know what it's like to be on a mountain. It's like a spiritual experience to be on a mountain. You just see this incredible vista of, and, and you realize that this, the smallness of the stuff that you're facing when you're on the high ground. And he's saying this, I want you, church, to be on the high ground. Never, ever forget that you have the high ground. And he says, if you're, what I want you to do is I want you to keep the high ground. So before you start praying, there's six things that I want you to make sure that you've got. Now, this is given to you. You don't have to work for this. It's in Christ. This is yours. Okay. He says this. First of all, he says, truth. He says truth. The belt of truth. He says, fasten around your weight the belt of truth. 
Now the belt of truth was not part of the armor. It was the first thing that before they started putting the armor on of a Roman, of a Roman centurion or Roman soldier, which is what he's doing here. And go, don't take this and it's breast and this and you breastplate of this and you, you kind of in this, uh, don't make this into such an allegorical thing that actually you kind of lose track of what he's actually trying to say to us here. The big idea is this, is he's saying you've got the hard ground. Actually, if you know Jesus, you know truth. You know the person of Jesus is truth. You've got to know the truth and the truth will set you free. So he's saying stay in truth. Stay in truth. You see, you need to know truth when the devil's sowing lies into your heart. He says, fasten this truth around you. Stay in truth. Friends, it means stay in the Word of God. When in doubt, go back to the Word of God and find truth. Because when you're in the battle, you can believe all sorts of things. And there's misinformation directed at you. All sorts of things. Enemies, intelligence systems that are trying to discourage you and trying to throw you off get back to the word of God get back to the truth put it around your waist and say right God now I'm ready for this fight and friends as soon as we lose truth as soon as we lose truth what we do is we slip back down to the bottom of the mountain we don't even know it the first thing he says is he put truth around you the second thing he does he says put a breastplate of righteousness on you and I love what he says here in, uh, in the text, if you have a look at it. I kind of saw this this morning. In verse 14, he says, Stand therefore, having fastened the belt and putting the breastplate on and putting your shoes on. Stand therefore. So these are three kind of basic foundational things for the believer. Basic, just stand. This is for standing for. And then in verse um, 16, he says, Now in all circumstances, and he gives us another three, talking about faith, salvation, and the, word, the sword of the Spirit. So, but, but what he's setting us up, he's saying, listen, you've got the high ground here. Understand this. If you slip away from truth, you're going to lose the, the ground, lose the high ground. The second thing he says, he puts a breastplate of righteousness on you. You see, your righteousness in Christ gives you a sense of confidence and boldness to stand on the top of the mountain, even when you think you deserve to be at the bottom of the mountain. Friends, if we are living in guilt and shame, we can never be on the mountain. That is the favorite ploy of the enemy is to bring accusation against you so that he can keep you at the bottom, so that you can be ineffective in your prayer life. Friends, I want to again, just as I say those words, prayer life. Prayer life of the church in this season is, in all seasons, is absolutely fundamental. I pray, I'm praying, Lord, give the church strength to pray. Give the church strength to pray. If we understand this, if we understand just those, I mean, you could take this thing and, and break it down into five or six preachers. Cosmic forces and spiritual this and the heavenlies that. Like, what is that stuff? If we understand our prayer life, friends, we actually understand the, the, the gravity of, of what God's called us to do and the absolute reality of the breakthrough that's upon us. But righteousness is a key aspect of what God is calling us to do. Be belief in what Jesus has done on your behalf. That you can access the throne of grace with boldness, not just access it, but with boldness, even when you're in the worst of conditions 
and committing the worst of sins. The blood of Jesus opens the way for you so that you can go into His presence so that He can cleanse your heart and mind. You're not going to stay the same once you've been in the presence of God and around His throne. You're not going to carry on living like that. God is going to do something in your life that is going to profoundly shift you. But friends, unless we understand what Jesus has done for us so that we can live on the mountain and pray from the mountain and exercise our authority, our spiritual authority from that place, actually the, the devil gets it right. Do we believe the gospel? And that, of course, is when we're living a life of unrighteousness. It under, undergirds our reality of being there. And unless we're getting back to God and saying, God, forgive me, help me, get back onto the mountain and begin to defeat the enemies that are coming at you. The third thing that he, gives, he asks us to do is he says, put the shoes on. You know, any warrior without shoes, any army without shoes is actually pretty much done. That's why Shaka taught his, his troops to take off their shoes so that their feet would be some, so their, their, their skin on their, sh their feet would be so thick that it would be like they're wearing shoes. They didn't want to encumber it. But, but the reality is if you haven't got boots on, you haven't got shoes on, the army becomes immobilized. And what he says here, listen to what he says, because actually often you read this differently. I've kind of read it differently before. Listen to what he says. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet. So he's saying actually now you need shoes here. Shoes for your feet. Put on the readiness, the readiness given by the gospel of peace. See, so a basic foundational truth about how we live and how we stay on top of the mountain is to be ready. Is to be prepared. You see, when the gospel, when truth invades our lives and righteousness hits our heart and we get a revelation of that, we've got to be ready to do what God's going to tell us. It's basic. It's ready. Are you ready to go? He says these shoes are the gospel of peace makes you ready. When you hear the good news of Jesus, it readies you. It prepares you for something that God's going to ask you to do. It's incredible that this is the foundation of this prayer life. It's truth. It's righteousness and readiness. I didn't expect this. And whenever I've read this before, I've always thought the gospel of peace, the gospel of peace. So then it makes sense, the truth, readiness, and the gospel. Actually, no, it's not what he's saying. He's saying truth, what's, what's righteousness, and readiness. Are we ready? You were born ready. When you came to Jesus, he readied you. You don't have to have a course. You don't have to go to university. You're ready to be used by God, by His Spirit in His timing with your faith. Straight up. Straight up. Born ready. That's the church. Born ready. That's the foundation of how we pray. So straight away now, actually, when we get the high ground, we understand we know what truth is. We know what God is saying. We know what God, we know what the lies of the devil are. We, we write, there's a sense of righteousness. I, I don't deserve to be up here, but God's put me up here by His blood. And so there's an instant humility from the mountain. And then what you're doing is you're on the mountain and you're ready. You're not on the mountain having a dose. Not on the mountain sneezing. You're not on the mountain kind of parking off. Hey, isn't this an awesome place? Let's build a mansion up here. No, no, you're on the mountain ready. 
carries on and he says, and now in every circumstance, in every circumstance, <clears throat> what I want you to do is to have faith. See, when you're up on the mountain, you can be in truth and you can be in righteousness and there's, there's a sense of readiness, but, but it is their faith to do what or pray through what God has given you to do. Faith. And he says, you've got to have this faith because it's like a shield for you. It's like the shield that actually faith dispels the, the, the accusations of the enemy. Faith. Are we faithful? Are we full of faith? Can we see evidence of what is not yet? Can we be certain of what we cannot see yet, but because God has spoken it? You see, faith is a fundamental basic element if we're wanting to see breakthrough. And the enemy will come and rob you of your faith. You can be a good Christian and, and you can believe all the truths and the doctrines, but the thing that God wants you to take a step forward in, you, you lose faith and actually you start to come back. And then you start to doubt everything that God has given you, the truth, the righteousness, and the readiness. Because you haven't got faith. And God wants to give us faith this morning. I'm telling you now, friends, God wants us to get back up onto the mountain and become a praying people that see the, the atmosphere of Durban change. And actually he's wanting to stir our faith again that actually there is something. God has spoken to me because I was born ready. If you don't believe you're born ready, you're not going to be interested in having faith. You're going to come to church, park off, go home, eat lunch, carry on the next week, come back to church again. But in actual fact, God's got a plan for you. God's got a God's got a, a, a plan for you and the devil's going to try to attack you. And if the devil can sideline you into silence and into kind of just obscurity, he's won. But you've got to have faith. Thoughts, feelings, imaginations, fears, and lies. All of these are hurled at us by the, in the fiery darts of the, of the enemy. But it's faith to say, no, 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 but God didn't say that. He said this. He said, actually, you, who cares about you, Stan? Who are you to think that you can do that? No, I'm nobody, but God said I must. It's, it's, it's kind of that, and we all have those thoughts in our minds. Faith. The next thing he says is I want you to have a, a, a helmet of salvation. In all circumstances, I want you to know this, that there's hope in Jesus Christ. The amazing thing, when we're fighting the enemy and it actually douses our faith and he, and he takes away our hope. It's the helmet of salvation. It protects us against discouragement, against the desire to give up. Giving us hope, not only in knowing that we are saved, but actually we will be saved, that God is going to continue working with us. This is church. I want you to be from the mountain. I want you to be living on the mountain, praying, praying from the mountain. Exercise your faith. Never lose hope. Even when it looks impossible, never lose hope. I'm good. I'm better than you think I am. You think I'm so good. Actually, I'm better than that. Immeasurably more than you can conceive, etc., etc. Imagine more than you can think. I'm better than that. And then the sixth thing that he does is he gives him the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. So you can imagine now this warrior standing on top of the mountain, standing on truth, standing on Jesus, 
standing on the righteousness that is mine in Christ. Ready. I'm not kind of actually ready. I'm ready for what God wants to do. Faith in my heart. Hope in my mind. And the sword of the Spirit in my hand. And this sword of the Spirit, friends, it's quite amazing. It's the sword of the Spirit. So it's the, it's the weapon that the Spirit wields. You thought of that? It's like, so the Spirit of God is hovering and He wants to do something. So he give somebody a sword. There we go. Go fight. And that sword, he says, is the Word of God. And it's not the Logos. It's the Rhema Word of God. It's the Word that God has spoken to you. He says to Timothy, Timothy, fight with the prophetic word that was given to you at the laying on of hands. That word that God spoke to you, that you know, that you know, that you know, that friends, that you've confirmed with others, please, can you just do that? It's not just God speaks to you. Big words need to be confirmed in a community and friends that love you and know you. Otherwise, we start fighting with the wrong sword. Start fighting with a butter knife and not a sword. Actually, God wants to give us a sword in our hands that actually we know that actually this is what God has spoken. This is what God's called this church to. Friends, I have to do this every single day of my life. Discouragement is waiting around the corner. Down to stop your faith, take away your hope, put you to drop down the sword, the thing that God's spoken to you and stopping you from now. You're standing on top of the mountain with nowhere to go and the next thing you're slipping it down to the bottom again. It's amazing that it's a sword and not a spear. See, a spear, you do that and you fight at long distance. This is a sword in your hand. This is a thing that you wrestle with in your own heart. It's close quarters combat. And that sword often deals with you before it deals with the situation. It's the sword of the Spirit. It's the thing that God has given you. It's something that needs to be exercised. You think of those movies, those gladiator movies, where before they get into the arena, you have the gladiators in the, in the kind of pen with their wooden swords. You know that one? And wooden spears, uh, with shields. And they spend all day just fighting and fighting and fighting and doing this and ducking and diving and hitting and all those things. Actually, all they're doing is they're practicing for the moment when they get given the real thing with the real enemy. And even that word that we're given, we've got to practice with it. We've got to allow God to fashion it and shape it. And so when God speaks to you, often it takes a while for that word to start to come into place. Because He's shaping it. You're practicing with it. You're practicing with it. You're thinking about it. You're talking about it. You're realizing, Chief, there's a lot of me in there, not a lot of God in what I'm thinking right now. God, I've got to change my posture. So you change it. And so now you're coming from below and you're fighting. You're coming from above and you're fighting. And God is allowing us to shape that sword in our lives. Friends, if we want to have breakthrough, we've got to get back onto the top of the mountain. Believe the truth that is in Christ. Believe, understand that we are righteous before Him. Be ready to have a passive church. It's just nonsensical in the eyes of Jesus and in the eyes of Paul. It's a ready church. Pick up the faith. What is it that God has given you what is it that God's calling you to? What is it? Don't pick those things up again. You know what? You can be in the battle for so long. Eventually you get discouraged. You put the sword down. Take the helmet. No more help. Put down the, the shield. It's like all those things that can come off. You know that kind of 
So when a, when, a, when, a, when a soldier is off the battlefront, you see it in those old movies like Gladiator and all those things, they, they carry on wearing the other stuff, but they take off the helmet and they put down the sword and they put down the shield. It's like, we don't need that now. We're not in a circumstance right now, but I walk around with this other stuff on. And what God is saying, He's saying, actually, what I want you to do is I want you to get back up the mountain, understand what you've got in me, and pick up the shield again, put the helmet back on, put your hope back on. If your marriage is a mess, and we spoke strongly into that last week, if your marriage is a mess, I want to say to you, pick up the sword again. What has God spoken to you? Put your helmet back on again. What is the hope that God has put in your, in your mind? Don't lose hope. It's, a, it's, it's the saving me. Where's your shield? Pick up your shield again. You're getting hit from all quarters and you're thinking, why? Wow, no, well, you haven't got your shield up. You're not in faith. You're not, you're not fighting. You're not ready. You've got to become passive. And I feel like God is saying, actually, church, I want you up back on the top of the mountain, ready to do battle. And it's not, it's not physical battle. It's spiritual battle, friends. It's spiritual battle in the heavenly realms in which we've been given authority. We have sized that authority. Things shift in the heavenly realms and so translate to shift in the, on the earth and in the, in the physical realm that we live in. But man, it's such a thing. Our natural, our natural response is pick everything up and rush into the enemy. When God's saying, just get up to the mountain. Get up to the mountain with me. Get up to the mountain like when Joshua was fighting at the bottom. And Moses was at the top holding his hands up. And every time his hands dropped, they started losing. But every time his hands went up, they started winning. Friends, that's not a cute story. That's the reality of what's going to be people fighting on the ground. But friends, we've got to have a prayer life that enables those people to win. And an impotent church is a church that doesn't believe or understands the reality of prayer. And if we're going to break through in this next season, which we are, we're going to pick up our shield again, put our helmet back on, put our sword in our hand, and get up the mountain. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? If you, if you, can we just stand? If you, at the bottom of the mountain, you're discouraged and you don't know where to go. At the bottom in the valley, it's difficult to know where to go, but when you're in the top, it's actually easy to know where to go. I feel like God is wanting to take people back up the mountain. And maybe you've been a believer and you're strong in your faith and you know the truth and you're kind of ready and and you kind of, but God's just gone quiet on you and you kind of don't understand it. So in a sense, there's some people that need to get back up the mountain. There's other people that are on the mountain, but kind of are not ready anymore. You've got used to kind of building a house up there, building a mansion up there, instead of building a prayer room up there. And you need to pick up the sword again, put the helmet on your head, put the shield around your arm. There's two groups of people here this morning. Friends, God, this is a season of breakthrough. This is a season, I've got a word to preach on breakthrough that has been bubbling in me for the last three or four weeks. And I just, this is a season of breakthrough. This is a season of radically taking ground, as we've been known. But man, it's not going to come without a prayer life that is with it. It's not going to come with a prayer life that's not with it. And you know what? I can say to you guys, hey guys, 
Are we having a prayer meeting Friday? Thursday? Ah, come, da, da, da. And I can manipulate you and try to put a heavy on you and try to say, if you're not there, actually this and that and what are you? And I'm not gonna, we're not going to do that. I'm just going to say to you, there's a mountain to live on top of. And if you're not used to living on top of the mountain in your private time, come and join us in the public space and learn to live on top of the mountain. Come and pick up your sword again. I tell you right, as soon as you get there again, the sword comes in. The shield comes up. The helmet comes off. There's hope. There's faith. There's the sword of the Spirit taking us forward. And, you, and your posture changes from passivity to ready for action. If you this morning have been camping at the bottom of the mountain, or actually you've been on top of the mountain, but you've actually put down your gear. You put down your gear. And you enjoy the mountain because you know who you are in God. You enjoy the view because you it's awesome. I, I know I'm meant to be here. I'm the righteousness of Christ. But actually what you've done is you've lost your readiness. Ready people have their equipment in their hands. I feel like those two groups of people God wants to move on to. I feel like we need to take some steps. We need to kind of step into this and say, God, what are you saying to me? If that's you in any of those two groups, I'd love you to come forward and we're going to pray for you. Pray for you. Friends, there are people in this place who have grown passive in their faith. And there are people in this place that have become discouraged and living in the valley wondering why they can't get victory. It's not the place to live. You've got to go through the valleys because that's where God shapes you and forms you. But man, He's made you for the mountaintops. It's incredible how years in the valley can shape you for a moment on a mountaintop that changes everything. It's a prayer life. If you, if you're just, if you're wanting people, if you're wanting to say, God, please, I, I, I need a bit of, I need more of a prayer life. I'm trusting God is going to impart there's going to be something here of God that is going to stir our hearts and put something in our hearts to say God gee I want that my family's in trouble my family's in trouble friends when your family's in trouble get up to the mountain don't, don't wallow in the, in, the, in, the, in the valley trying to fight with each other get up into the mountain stand in truth know who you are and then pick up your stuff. Father, there's nothing that I can do to change people's hearts. There's nothing that I can do without controlling people to manipulate people into doing stuff. Even if I know it's for their best. Father, that's your job because you are our Father. We are brothers and sisters here, but you are our Father. Now I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would stir our hearts again in the area of prayer and worship. Because that's the thing that most naturally comes when you're on top of the mountain. You see the unbelievable vista of creation. Everything in you wants to just worship. Help us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. 
Help us to be a people that are constantly praying, that are constantly living from the mountaintop. And even when we go through a tough time, we understand we've got something in you. Will you stir our hearts, Lord God? Where some have got so discouraged that we've so discouraged that we've become back-footed or sitting down. I pray this morning we'd stand up again. I pray for a standing up of the church, standing up of your people, getting back to the top of the mountain and going into that secret closet on the top of the mountain where there's a shield of faith, a helmet of salvation and a sword of the Spirit that will ready us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. In all things, in general ways, in specific ways. Where an hour of prayer will seem like two minutes in your Spirit. Where two hours of prayer will seem like just that moment. Because it's so incredible to be in your presence and be caught up with you. Where prayer would not be a chore. Where prayer would not be something that is this prayer life, this intimate life, it would be a listening life, it would be an asking life, it would be a thanking life, it would be a quiet life, it would be a restful life. Thank you, Lord God, you do that in people's lives. Take us to the top again. Let us see again. You might have gone through a radical divorce, and you think, Lord, however, can you use me again? I want to tell you that the gospel says, even if you were completely wrong in that, that divorce, there's redemption by the blood of Jesus. And you can change and become somebody that God wants you to be. So get back up to the top again. If you're a single person and you've given away your heart, and you've been hurt by people, and you've been discouraged by people. You said, well, I don't want anything to do with the church again. I don't want anything to do with Jesus again, if that's what it is. I tell you, that's not Jesus, and that's not the church. That's sin and people's sin hurting you. Pick up, get back up on the mountain again. Believe the truth of the Word of God. Get your righteousness back on again. Understand who you are in Him, and get ready for what He's going to tell you to do. Holy Spirit, will you come and move? You just come and stir our hearts. You stir our hearts again, Lord God, to love and good deeds. You stir our hearts again to a lifestyle of prayer that is set into now. That, Father, we'll see the city change, Lord God. We'll understand the dynamic of the spiritual and the, and the, the, the reality of the earthly working together and how we are a display of the wisdom of God to those that heavenly realm. As we live our lives and we work out our salvation here and there. We worship you to this evening, this morning. Work in our hearts. Let's just have a song of worship just to just to worship, just to touch.